Blog Talk Radio. Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo. And we're here to answer all your questions on love, life, career, and whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 646-381-4141. Later in the show, we'll be meeting Jennifer Handy, founder and director of Rising Firefly Retreat, and Laurel Rethke, who's an instructor there. So stay tuned. It's a very, very interesting show, and they've got a great, great um, website and a great, great um, retreat that they're going to be talking to us about. This is going to be a really interesting show. So if time permits, later in the show, Dr. Cirillo and I will be taking your calls. So we want to hear from you. The switchboard is open, so give us a call at 646-381-4141. So, Dr. Cirillo, I have a question for you. Um, I've heard all this discussion about you doing forensic work or something on aliens. Oh, on aliens? Yes, that's what I'm being told. Is this true? Who's telling you this? (laughs) I think think Lady Fontaine's referring to a television show that you uh, were interviewed for or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what was that all about? Not, not the actual forensic work on aliens. Oh, well, I thought that that's I what think you, you meant. That's that what I said earlier. She, well, that's what I said. Is she a scientist now? Oh, so what was that all about? No, we're, we're going to be uh, presenting an interview from one of the survivors of the Amityville Hall, one of the kids who's now middle-aged who never gave an interview. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so when is this going to be? It's going to be at, well, the uh, results will be presented at uh, an upcoming film festival or several, and hopefully will be, uh, let's say, about the 10th production on the Amityville Horror. Oh, my. It's going to be called My Amityville Horror. They sent a press release out in April, and... uh, this is the big interview with the oldest son of the family who's finally speaking out. He wants to tell his side of the story from his point of view. And my point of view as a psychologist was to interview him and see how it affected him and what his emotions were like at the time and, and how it's affected his whole life. Hmm. That's well, true. Guess, really, how old is the oldest son now? He's 44. Wow. That wow. should really be interesting. So you, you'll you keep us posted on that? I most certainly will as soon as I find out uh, when and if it's going to be shown or if it's, if it's going to be picked up. So there will be a lot of advance notice. 
But wow. I think it has good prospects because he's never given an interview himself before. Wow. And so he, what is the uh pardon, what is the, the uh stance of this of this show? Is that that the Amityville house was in fact haunted or or not? Well, he, he, he believes that it happened. He believes that a, that a lot of the stuff happened, you know, not that he agrees with his stepfather's presentation of the story, which the uh, books and the movies were based on, along with some other people who added uh, their stories to it. Not that he believes everything's accurate there, but he, he believes that a lot of the paranormal occurrences and the hauntings and everything else happened. He saw us with his own eyes, and you're not going to talk him out of it. Do you remember when we had Jackie Barrett on the show many, 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 many months ago? She was sure talking, I do. Uh, she was talking about being involved with the making of the new Amityville Horror Show, is a movie as well. Is this the same movie? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about her being involved with this particular one. I... I uh, I don't think they had a psychic part. That's where I, I spoke to you about the next time, if anybody could ever gain access to that house. Possibly we could bring along your friend, the ghost hunter. Oh, that would be great. The one who uh, got the yeah. old man to stop bothering the boy. Actually, <laughs> that was me who did that. He just, oh, he you did just, that. I, he just sort of grounds me, but I do all the, the actual work and communicating. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, we would love to be involved with that. Very resistant. Yeah, but that would be wonderful if we could somehow gain access to the house and and kind of help clean it out a little bit. Yeah, and actually, um, you know, Frank, Frank, you're involved with uh, with paranormal investigations as well, right? I do. I try to disprove hauntings left and right. And I try to prove them. <laughs> well, so. you know, it's an interesting thought. You guys working together uh, outside of uh, I Am the Future, maybe, in some project. Uh, you guys ever thought about writing a book together? I actually have been giving that a lot of thought. A book oh, by well. by Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo. Uh-oh. <laughs> or Dr. Fontaine and Lady Cirillo. <laughs> That's true, that too. They're becoming more like each other. I know, or doctor and doctor. I mean, we could do we, we could do any variation doctor. of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, the thing is, I'm you know the topics that I've been working on with literature, and then you've been doing the same. There really wasn't that much room for collaboration, but uh, something like the the psychic and the psychological explanations for a lot of the things that we can't really. Explain. I, I think that that's always uh, interesting. It's always food for thought. Well, you know, one one bottom line topic um, is something that we both always end up going back to, no matter how we look at it, and that is self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So that might be um, a good topic to spin off of, because everything oh, yeah. I teach basically you know, you're never going to be able to manifest anything that you don't believe you're worthy of manifesting. Um, well, that's and, all with your life coaching, which you also right. do apart from the psychic. Right, coaching. which end up, you know, boils back down to my psychology background. But, you know, really from a psychological standpoint, what is really the most important um, foundation to anybody's life is what? It, I always look at it as their self-esteem. 
it, right, exactly. If they say what their 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 estimate of their own value has to affect everything else because right. you, we only know our own reality. You see the world through your own eyes and ears, and uh, you know you interact with that world. And if you see yourself as lacking, deficient, crazy, uh, it, it has to affect the way you interact with everything else and the way you interpret events outside of you. Well, I think it's something that we should talk about. We don't have to talk about it right now and make a commitment now, but I definitely think it's, uh, Frank, it's an outstanding idea. Don't you think so, Dr. Cirillo? The book idea? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it might have have everybody vote. Frank likes it all also. I, well, I, as long as I get it. to uh, write the <laughs> death jacket blurb, then we're fine. Yeah. I was just going to say that. And I All get right. a special thanks just for being me. Uh, just for being you. Oh, wow. You sound <laughs> like our, our guest that we're going to have in a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, we might, we might make you do a little bit yeah. of work, too. Julie's a boxer, isn't she? Now, yeah, now you're awesome. giving it away. Should we tell people who's going to be a guest on our show in a few weeks? Are we going to advertise as soon as possible? We're going to send out a press release. Right. I'm going to be do. We're probably working on it this weekend. But we have um, boxing great Omar Henry um, scheduled to be a guest on our show on July 27th. So we're really looking forward to that as well. And that's going to be a little bit different than many of the interviews that we've done here on Eye on the Future. But it's definitely going to be interesting. I think you've got to give a, a reading or a sense of where his future career is going because sometimes, you know, people that climb up the ladder so quickly have a lot of pitfalls and you have to be able to see where the dangers are so you can warn him and tell him how to avoid these things. Right, and then maybe um, I could become his um, official psychic. His official life coach. That's true, too. That would probably even be better. But, and maybe he can coach you on how to box. It'll be even, even <laughs> well, great actually, there. But they say that's very good for getting into shape, and I'm, I have no problem with, you know, doing that, you know, boxing. I also very get good for getting rich. Well, that's me too. But I wouldn't do that. But, you know, uh, those boxing bag things, you always see them, and then they, these, you develop all these fabulous muscles. So, you know, hey, I'm open. <laughs> it's going to be such a great show in a few weeks. But tonight... You will be taking calls later, so I want to tell everyone that phone lines are open. Please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. They're here to answer all your questions, so call 646-381-4141 to get expert advice on all that troubles you. And remember, if you don't get on the air tonight, please send us your question at mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be selecting a few questions each week to answer live on each show. And now it's time for our Sky McKenna's Skywatch Report. Remember to visit Sky at her website at skymckenna.com for more details about her or to read the weekly report on her website. Hello, everybody. This is Sky McKenna with my weekly Skywatch Energy Report. This is a review of the energies for the upcoming week, and if you miss any of this, you can re-listen each week in the archives on AchieveRadio.com, or you can go to my new website, SkyMcKenna.com, and click the link near the top of the page. 
You can also read the energy report on my new blog. There's a link at the top of my website for that, too. Also, my new book, Astrology in You 2010, is available on my website or on Amazon.com now. It's for the whole year and covers everything from astrology basics to major aspects, sign changes, world astrology, and there's a forecast for each sign for all of the upcoming Mercury retrograde periods and all of the eclipses. There are several. I'm told it's very useful, informative, and an easy read. And if you buy it from my website, I'll send you an autographed copy, a free birth chart, so you can follow along with the aspects if you'd like and learn more about astrology. And you'll also get free shipping if you buy it from my website. All the information is there on my website, skymckenna.com. So, we've got the wind in our backs. We're still holding on to our hats. Here's the week ahead in eight minutes or less. And this, then, is for the week beginning Sunday, July 11th, 2010. Well, we've managed to come through the lunar eclipse energy of June 26th. And it was kind of a bumpy ride for a lot of us, since lunar eclipses are super full moons and very emotional. They're often about endings and releasing. But now we have a total solar eclipse on Sunday, July 11th. And since this solar eclipse new moon is in the sign of Cancer, it's a very powerful time for new beginnings and nurturing and all things related to domestic matters and even healing. This is when we plant the seeds for what we plan to grow in the rest of the year. And after this eclipse, the week basically belongs to the moon since we only have a couple significant planetary aspects. But on Sunday, July 11th, the moon's shadow will sweep across the Earth. And, locationally speaking, it's actually one of the most remote total solar eclipses of the century and will only be visible along a very narrow, 155-mile-wide swath of the far south Pacific Ocean. And, just as an interesting fact, this will be the first total solar eclipse that the statues on remote Easter Island have ever seen, and the next total solar eclipse that they'll experience won't be until February 25th, 2324. There's something mysterious feeling about that to me, but I'll have to think about it a little while. And this eclipse may be somewhat milder for us, or even more positive, since it's basically a super new moon of new beginnings. Though it may also offer us a little more mystery because of its distant and remote path. And since this eclipse takes place in the moon's own sign of nurturing cancer, we will have the opportunity to connect with our feelings and emotions, and maybe even smooth or heal some old wounds with loved ones. And since Mercury is making a favorable flowing connection to the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in Aries, we'll also be ready to communicate new fiery, passionate thoughts and ideas very well, all modified, of course, by where it falls in our own charts. But never think that nothing is in store here just because the eclipse falls in gentle Cancer. Cancer is one of the cardinal signs, and that means it's all about action, and it's very dynamic. And if your chart is being impacted directly by the eclipse, you can expect something enormous, something magnificent, and even powerful to happen in your life especially if you were born somewhere between July 7th and the 15th. But all of us will feel the impact of this eclipse, especially if other sensitive points in our charts are being contacted. And then after this solar eclipse, except for Tuesday the 13th, the week continues to belong to the moon. On Monday, July 12th, she moves into fiery Leo, and these couple of days will be exceptional for anything glamorous or dramatic. We can be enchanting, and we can be very creative, especially since the moon will also conjunct Mercury and form a flowing trine aspect to both Uranus and Jupiter and Aries. Those are all fire signs. We can sizzle today. And the emotional tides around us will be upbeat and strong, and feelings of friendship will be all around, and we can be mentally quick and make some pretty smart deals if we're so inclined. Then Tuesday, July 13th, Venus slides into the act as she forms a luscious trine to Pluto. Pleasures are on our mind today, and close encounters and connections will naturally move to a deeper level and may become more intense. We may want to share our deeper, more authentic feelings for a change. Passion is in the air for relationships, situations, or even meaningful causes close to our hearts. 
and we shouldn't be surprised if we suddenly find a soul connection today. We might also find that financial matters work out for us with more ease and in our favor. And then on Wednesday, July 14th, the moon enters practical, thoughtful Virgo, and she conjuncts Venus and forms a graceful trine to Pluto. These couple of days, we can be effective organizers, sorting and cleaning and taking care of details in our lives. It's also an excellent time for taking care of ourselves and or even beginning a fitness program or maybe fine-tuning the one that we've already begun. And since the moon is connecting to both Venus and Pluto, that can put love in the air and in a very charming way. New beginnings now can blossom in creative and very abundant ways for us. Then on Thursday, July 15th, the moon will conjunct Mars and offer an opportunity to the sun. And now we can have drive to finish what we start. We can let things just unfold and watch for opportunities to present themselves. We won't have a need to push for our own way, and we shouldn't. The alert today would be about being overconfident and using unnecessary force. Other than that, go for it. And then on Friday, July 16th, we'll find the moon gliding into graceful Libra, but facing off with the Uranus and Jupiter in fiery Aries, and also squaring off with Pluto. So this is a day that we'll want to practice a very balanced approach in whatever way we can. We may experience mood swings or instability with others or within ourselves, and things could have a push-me-pull-you kind of feeling. So we'll want to be sure not to take anything personally. Emotions may rise and fall erratically today, and if we can avoid conflict, we should do just that. There's no percentage in using force to get where we want to go. And finally, on Saturday, July 17th, the moon is still moving through Libra and shall form a sweet sextile aspect of opportunity to Mercury. And finally, things may seem like they're moving more smoothly for us after the past couple of days. We'll have new inspirations available to us if we stay alert and maybe even some very, very welcome aha moments. Now this week, I want to talk about how and where each sign will experience the energy of this total solar eclipse in Cancer. And as always, this will apply to your sun sign and rising ascendant sign, if you know it. Aries, this eclipse will usher in surprises on the home front or with family. So be alert for swift, unexpected changes in those areas. Taurus, your third house of communication will be impacted by this eclipse. So expect the unexpected when it comes to communication and maybe even some surprising short trips. Gemini, your second house of finances will be affected. So be ready and expect exciting, surprising events connected with your finances, values, and possessions. Cancer, this eclipse is all about you. Your entire life will be directly impacted. Be ready for exciting news and surprises that affect you in very up-close and personal ways. Leo, expect surprises and or secrets to be revealed as well as a lot of exciting or sudden or unexpected psychic flashes to surround you. Virgo, expect positive surprises in connection with hopes, wishes, dreams, friends, and associations, and or sudden discoveries about new ways to manifest your fondest dreams. Libra, be prepared for new and exciting or sudden professional opportunities to present themselves. Scorpio, get ready to expand your mind and your heart. Long-distance travel, foreign lands and people, publishing are all in store for you, maybe even some unexpected learning opportunities. Sagittarius, exciting new opportunities could arise in the area of shared resources, or a partner or spouse could get a raise or a financial windfall that affects you. Capricorn, exciting new opportunities could arise through, around, or with partners, business or romantic, or a new exciting partner could arrive in your life. Aquarius, your work, health, and service will be highlighted, and exciting, positive, or surprising events may arise in your health or on the job, and you could receive unexpected, welcome news regarding any of these matters. Pisces, your house of romance, creativity, and children will be highlighted, so sudden, exciting opportunities could present themselves to you in those areas, including surprise romance or expanded creativity. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of the Skywatch Energy Report. And remember, if you miss any of this, you can re-listen each week in the archives or visit my website, 
DiMcKenna.com, and the link is right there at the top of the page. And you'll also find a link to my new blog if you'd like to read the energy report. And remember, the animals still need your help. You can feed a homeless animal with just the click of the mouse. It's absolutely, positively, no questions asked free. In 2009, your clicks equaled 92 million bowls of food for homeless animals. So just go to theanimalrescuesite.com and click on the purple button that says, click here, it's free. Well, that's about it for this week. And remember, you never lose by loving, you always lose by holding back. So till next time, take good care, God bless, and namaste. As always, thank you, Sky, for your amazing report. And be sure to contact Sky McKenna at our website at skymckenna.com. That's S-K-Y-E-M-A-C-K-E-N-N-A.com. Um, you'll find plenty of more information. You can also listen. Um, uh, there's a link on her website where you can listen to that same report that we just heard, and you can also read the Skywatch report directly on our website. Um, her show airs every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Achieve Radio. So be sure to listen in and be sure to read and or listen to her um, Skywatch report directly from her website. All right, tonight we have two very special guests. Jennifer Handy is the founder and director of Rising Firefly Retreat, and Laurel Rethke is an, ins- an instructor at that retreat. They are the guiding light in a new concept for summer camp for children that will be held in upstate New York from August 3rd to the 11th. Visit their website at www.risingfireflyretreat.com for all the details. Jennifer and Laurel, welcome to our show. We're happy to have you here. Hello? Jennifer, Laurel? Yes. Hi, hi. Um, Hi. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us here. Good. Thank you for having us. Um, Can you explain to the listeners what the Rising Firefly uh, Retreat actually is? Oh, sure. It's a spiritual nature retreat for youth 9 to 12. Um, Our focus is on providing a space for kids to um, unfurl and connect with the the joys of nature. Mm. And where is that located? It's located upstate New York in the Catskill Mountains and Margaretville, New York. And the actual retreat dates, again, are? August 3rd through the 11th. So, Jennifer, how did you come up with this idea? It's really a phenomenal idea. I was looking at your website, and it's really captivating me. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, last summer I went on a camping trip with some friends, and a series of pretty funny events happened, and we ended up not having... um, enough food for our entire <laughs> trip. So I, um, because I have low blood sugar, I couldn't hike to the peak of the mountain, and I uh, ended up sitting by the lake while my friends did their hike. And I was listening to um, a guided meditation that I had on my iPod. And I just, um, as I was sitting by the lake listening to this meditation and really reflecting on myself, um, my life and the healing work that I do, I 
realized that I wished I had someone to tell me that my gifts were such that I could, you know, would be of service to others when I grew up, when I was young, you know. And I thought, well, I don't want to be sad for the past and what I didn't have. How can I take this and move it forward and support the kids today? And I came up with the idea of a summer camp that basically would have an open structure that would allow children to explore whatever their gifts are and say, you know what, it's really unique and let's work on ways that you can use that um, to help others. Wow, that's a wonderful idea. And we've talked about that before on this show, truly the value of having the validation early in your life um, opposed to being told, as unfortunately so many children are, that they can't do this, they shouldn't do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and end up giving them those mixed signals so they lose that that connection with themselves and, and truly with what their passions are. Um, uh, Jennifer, what's your experience with working with children? Well, my experience is pretty much lifelong. My mother is, a, is an elementary school teacher, and so from about the age six, I was helping her in the classroom, um, working on the lesson plans, and um, she's really passionate about child development theory. And um, so, and I also just want to qualify, like in my childhood, I feel pretty lucky that my parents really didn't tell me that I couldn't do anything, but they didn't really know to say, oh, you know, this is really unique other than, oh, what a great imagination you have. So (laughs) we want to cover the breadth of of whatever, um, you know, kids are being told today by their parents um, as well. But, um, yeah, I worked with my mom in her classroom all the way through school and high school. I definitely had I had some regular babysitting gigs. Um, and then in college, I supported myself as a classroom assistant in a child care center. Mm. I worked with ages um, two months to ten years old. I worked there for several years. And then when I went to the office world, I um, ended up, um, as uh, an assistant for the product development and um, the product, uh, the merchandise buyer for the um, Metropolitan Museum of Art. We were the ones that developed and brought in the educational products that are sold in the catalog website and stores. So. I think that's, that's really awesome. Um, how would you actually describe the principles of your retreat? Um, it's very, very simple. <laughs> Kids already know who they are and what they are all about, what they like and what makes them happy. And there's so much noise around them that kind of distracts them from the, these very core components of their selves. And so at the camp, we're setting up the structure so that there's no noise. There's nature and there's just calm. And we're introducing them to different ancient practices like Tai Chi or Reiki or meditation um, to give them the opportunity to ground in what they know in their, in their center, in their source. So as our open structure um, for learning is set up so that the children will guide how in-depth we go with any of our topics of discussion. Well, if, if I might interject, uh, uh-huh. just to, bring, to go back to something you were saying earlier about the kids being told uh, that they couldn't do things and 
Oasis and Rising Firefly Retreat, celebrating what they can do and enhancing that, what are some examples of the things that you would be encouraging with these kids? Are you, you, it's a spiritual retreat, so I, I have an idea of what it is, but, uh, but could, you, could you go in depth a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, let's see, for example, we're going to be doing some stargazing, and um, it's, it's pretty general. We'll start off with just observing the stars and letting the kids notice patterns if there's any specific um, constellations or stars that they identify with. And from there, we will discuss mythology, we can discuss um, astronomy, um, we can pretty much take the discussion to whatever level they are prepared for. So the staff, you have uh, different people who are masters in different disciplines uh, like the ones you just uh, listed, correct? Absolutely. And I've brought people on board that are very grounded in um, the technical aspects of their field as well as the metaphysical and spiritual aspects of their field. So we can really kind of cover breadth of information with the kids. You have one of those with you today, yes? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was right. just going to say I'd like to interject on that a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, um, welcome yeah, to instance, the show. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> For instance, um, I'm going to be teaching about uh, rocks and crystals, and we'll start with the very basic ideas of how rocks are formed and uh, identification of rocks and crystals. But the next step we're going to take is each child holding a rock or crystal in their hand and sensing what, what they feel from it. And, and that could be as simple as it feels heavy and hard to... Um, you know, uh, I'm I'm getting some sort of energy from it, or I feel uh, very calm with this, or I feel very nervous with this, and 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 allowing them to experience what they are sens sensing, and um, and of course not, you know, allowing all of it and and exploring all of it. So it's it's uh, it's allowing the children to. You know, it, it, it reminds me of this story I heard, um, you know, of uh, some child saying, Mommy, Mommy, why is Aunt Clara blue? And Mommy says, oh, Aunt Clara isn't blue. That's silly. But it could just be that the child is seeing auras. <laughs> ah, yeah. And, and Clara's aura is blue. So uh, I, I believe the instructors that Jennifer has gathered together are people who are open to the idea that Aunt Clara might be blue because the child sees auras. <laughs> wow. So, absolutely, um, absolutely. Nothing's right. really outside of the realm of, of possibility. There will not be a, um, you know, a commentary that says, oh, no, you're just imagining that. Or, no, no one else is seeing that, so it's not there. It's just nothing. Um, we'll instead, through a series of questioning, explore what the child is actually experiencing if they're seeing something or feeling something that no one else is necessarily picking up on. Mm. How old are these children? Nine to twelve. 
Well, you know, that's interesting because they say a lot of times when kids are a lot younger, when they're like, let's say, three or four years old, they'll talk about their experiences in other lifetimes and mm-hmm. they'll go through the motions. And in other countries, like in, in the Eastern societies, parents encourage that and then they expand on it and they remember more and more, whereas in our society it's like, oh, don't be silly, you have imaginary playmates, you know. They discourage that, and then by the time they're eight or nine years old, they're not talking about these things, even if they right. see them. And right. that's the that's the biggest problem with any kind of you know spiritual development, or even you know children who truly have passions with things. You know, I, I you know if you think of uh, like a boy who wants to be um, a ballerina, and the father wants him to be a football player. You know, as he wants to do dancing and, and ballerina stuff, the father is not encouraging him, and somewhere along the way, he's going to lose that sense of who he is. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, the the Rising Firefly Retreat really, really sort of focuses um, their attention on each child and the potential of each child and encourages them and helps them really connect not only with with spirit and and you know nature, but with themselves. I'd like to kind of interject a question here, uh, more directed towards Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo about this. Mm. Uh, if if the the cutoff on the youth side is nine years old, is that not almost too old for the invisible friend to still be there or the memories of being a World War II fighting ace to still be in the head? Like, what is the age that those go away? I would think like that was kind of like what I was thinking. Yeah, that that was what I meant in my question. You said it better than I did. And I'd love to to interject something here. Um, (laughs) Jennifer Jennifer, um, created the camp for 9 to 12, and and we've, we've talked about this. Like, we would like to bring in children um, at a much younger age, but since this is the first year, this is what we're able to do. But I was thinking, of, I thought about that also, and what I thought was, you know, even when I was 33, <laughs> I picked up a rock and felt the energy of it in a way that I never had before or or that I hadn't consciously thought of it before. And so, I, I, I for instance, I think that we'll, there's still a lot of learning and, and openness and exploration that can happen in a group that's 9 to 12, and they're not so far removed from a time when they were 3 or 4 and they might remember saying, Aunt Clara's blue, Mommy, I know she's blue. <laughs> so, you know, the idea, I think, is to allow, allow them to try to reopen to these ideas if they have been closed off inadvertently or not. Um, and, and then go forward in future years, bringing younger people in, younger children in, obviously. But one thing that jumps out at me is that the the parent that would be um, drawn to a retreat such as this, I feel, would be one that probably is encouraging the children or somewhat right. aware that you Absolutely. know it's not like it's not like every door is closed in their in their sense of right. who they are. Well, like I said, even even what how I grew up, I mean, my parents were very encouraging in a lot of ways, but they just didn't have the um, the context to communicate with me and understand fully what I was experiencing. So it was sort of put under the umbrella of imagination, and I was left to kind of deal with the reality of it on my own. And um, I know the the biggest 
the, the final like sort of like closing of the door for me was um, at the age of 11, but I really never was too far removed from those abilities and um, they came, you know, creeping back to me in my late 20s. <laughs> and then that's when it kind of dawned on me, oh, right, that wasn't arbitrary and it wasn't my imagination and I can actually use these abilities and help other people. So. Right, and I do feel that if you are, um, as a child, and we all are, you know, really in tune to this stuff, and somewhere along the way within your childhood, um, you know, there's sort of like a door that reopens. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine like, like you were talking earlier about, you know, touching a rock and suddenly feeling, um, Lorel, I think that was you, that suddenly yeah. feeling something that you never felt before in your life at 33, um, you know, it's like imagine if that had happened when you were nine or ten. Exactly. <laughs> that would have really reframed your life in probably exactly. a very, very big way. Absolutely. Right. And the, the big key is that, um, our, you know, our planet is shifting so much right now and so quickly. And the children are the ones that are holding the future. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to um, kind of hold space for the children to stay connected to that part of themselves as they move through their teen years and into their early adult years so that they're more um, centered and able to hear their own guidance and um, kind of be directed in their purpose on this planet as opposed to getting lost in all the noise of the material world and trying to fit in and in X, Y, and Z. There's a place for those types of fun things, Facebook and texting and all of that. But if they're really able to ground in hearing their own guidance, they'll be so much stronger, you know, as they grow and move forward. And um, I think we need that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and actually, I have a question for Dr. Cirillo. When, when a child is in that 9- to 12-year-old um, age group, where are they in the development process? Well, the main focus there is uh, the clicks and fitting in socially. And, uh, you know, that is really the big thing. So maybe this could certainly help them get back in touch with who they are and what they really want and their real desires. And uh, somehow they can feed both sides of themselves. And and that's the way to stay healthy instead of having to just – push this aside, which they're usually encouraged to do, and everything, as you said, is Facebook and Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. texting and uh, their friends. Yeah, but, but you know, they can't get lost in this either. Socially, we'll they be, have to somehow fit in with the regular world. Right, and we'll be teaching techniques like short forms from Tai Chi and yoga and also meditation and the concept of meditation as any kind of mindful act, not necessarily just sitting still, but even if it's just sweeping the porch or watering flowers or watching the clouds, um, you know, any time that you can find yourself in um, in a place of stillness, um, your mind in a place of stillness, then that you know, qualifies as meditation. And just introducing these principles for the kids so that they know that when they have a quiet moment um, in their room or, you know, wherever, and they're sitting on the bus on the way to school or what have you, that they can take that time to connect to their center and just check in with their guidance while they're, you know, 
busy figuring out how they fit into the fit friend group and when they're going to get all their homework done and their after-school activities, X, Y, Z. But they just understand how to actively incorporate that stillness and that sort of checking in with their their um, inner voice along the way. Well, this can help them refuel so that they actually do better with their friends and they do better at uh, their homework and their Absolutely. activities. If when they're upset or stressed out, they can take some time away to be with themselves and meditate and regroup and uh, calmly focus, it certainly can only be a skill that, that's an asset to their other activities. Right. Now, I agree with that. And there was something else that jumps out at me when we're talking about mindfulness. You know, there was something, Jennifer, you said earlier um, tonight, and that was talking about, you know, really the simplicity of the concept of what you're doing and 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 actually you know in this hectic world with all the um you know technical um you know distractions that we have and all the things that take us out of ourselves isn't that really what we want just the simplicity of getting back in touch with who we are absolutely i think that's so key especially for the um the youth because they their world is like so um, hyped up with all the media. What do we call it? The the, um, the networking, the internet networking, and just it's like insanity um, from my perspective, for sure. And that's what they know. You know, mm-hmm. they're coming up into a world where this is the norm. And so um, I think it's kind of surprising, even for a lot of adults, to hear. The this just the very simple direct approach that um, Rising Firefly has towards um, working with the kids. We're going to have a week of open structure, so you know there'll there'll be points throughout the day that are set up. Waking up, breakfast, lunch, dinner times are set, but in the in between times, we will be allowing the children in. Um, either individually or in small groups to explore the different areas that speak to them the most so that they are essentially unfurling um, and tapping into what makes sense for them. We're not coming in deciding for them that it's more important that they spend, you know, two hours on this topic and an hour on that topic. We want them to be able to really just kind of sink into nature and be absorbed by it. So we'll take them into the garden and show them the plants that are um, being used for the foods. They will be involved in the food preparation and small groups so that they are participating in a communal kind of way, like community. We all support one another. They'll um, learn about the concept of organic foods, seasonal eating, the um, importance of buying from local farmers whenever possible to support the local economy. Um, You know, and these are kind of big concepts, but it's going to be presented in a very basic sort of way. And I feel like that is a much more profound and important way of imparting that kind of information. 
you know, um, one question I have, when I he heard you talking about some of the um, the activities that you have throughout the course of the day, uh, do all the, the, the people who, all the children who are at your retreat um, go through the same program, or is there any sort of customization, or is it like a pick and choose kind of thing? Um, it will be, like, we'll do a morning, everyone will participate, or this is basically kind of the structure. We'll, we'll all wake up, we'll meet. Um, outside as long as the weather's permitting. And there is a really nice big yurt that we will use in case the weather is not um, cooperating with us. So um, we have rainy day options. Um, but we'll meet for a silent gathering or meditation each morning, and there'll be a short yoga series to introduce the concept of, you know, like sun salutations and morning exercise. And then we'll all go to breakfast together. And from there, we'll have a couple of hours that will involve um, some group discussion about topics for the day. And um, that, will, that will manifest organically within the structure that the activities that are set up for um, on the website. And then we'll have our lunch. And then the afternoons will be more of an open opportunity so that the kids can kind of choose their small groups and if someone wants to work on learning about crystals they have that option if they want to learn about um, making you know want to practice making making fires they'll have the ability to do that with our um, people that know what they're doing <laughs> just to supervise them so they can learn sort of wilderness survival techniques and um, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be really open. It's going to flow with um, the energies of each day. And we will be doing things as a full group, and we'll be giving them opportunity to explore um, what's most interesting to them as individuals as well. Wow. I mean, it sounds absolutely incredible. Dr. Cirillo, what, what, what's your feeling on, on this retreat? I think it's absolutely awesome. Well, we forgot the group about uh, how to see people's auras and tell if Aunt Clara's really blue. <laughs> no, no, I think it's a very good idea. And, yeah. and so long as the, the groups, uh, uh, that there are enough, a few people that are interested in something, but I, I think you'd have to have quite a few counselors that are trained in different things and then maybe take turns. I'm sure some groups would be seen as more fun and become more popular than others, but, uh, you know, Absolutely. it's a wonderful the morning, idea. Right. The morning times will be a time that we will introduce the concepts of each of the areas, like crystals, um, Reiki, general Reiki healing, um, wilderness survival, gardening, XYZ. The morning hours would be the time to introduce those concepts, and then the afternoon would be basically set up for the kids to you know, explore. explore. Them. Well, actually, two of the things that you mentioned, Reiki and, and the crystals, are of you know, a special interest to me. Could you tell us a little bit more in depth about you know, the things that you will be teaching and, and you know, how the kids are going to be learning and interacting with this? Sure. With um, Reiki, for example, we will explore the the um, ideas, you know, the concept of the energy being all around us all the time, and that we can tap into that energy and use it 
in a focused way to heal. And the technique that um, I'm going to be working with the children with is um, actually a hand, it's a hands-off technique where you don't actually need to use touch, but just by putting the hands a few inches from an area where maybe you like stub your toe, you can put your hand over that area and just with concentration send a healing vibration to that to that spot and let the children basically explore from there to see uh, how they're feeling how they are experiencing it and go into depth from that that's point that's great because this way they don't feel funny you know some kids at that age might feel very funny about touching or you know this exactly way i think it's really anything intrusive or invasive Exactly. I think it's really, really important to impart principles of respecting other people's boundaries always and knowing that you can um, help and you don't have to necessarily, like, you know, be in that other person's space to such a degree. You know, like, I, I think that's something that people in general don't necessarily even understand we have the ability to do as human beings. (laughs) You can think a very helpful thought, and that in and of itself has a vibration that will carry over to the other person. Well, I know what a lot of chiropractors do is sometimes they've had like a line of people, and they'll have one person on the table, and they're adjusting that person, and somehow they're able to carry on the adjustment through... uh, everybody on the line. Have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't. That's pretty amazing. Like a line adjustment for kids, that would wow. be wonderful. A big line <laughs> and, and one person gets better and then, you know, it kind of filters on down. Well, you know, my chiropractor always says to me, and this is a little bit different than what you're talking about, Dr. Cirillo, but he always says to me, because, uh, you know, let's assume that he's adjusting me, you know, on a Monday morning, and I go, oh, God, how I could have used you know, an adjustment Sunday when I was at a dog show or something. And he always says to me, all you have to do is ask. And he goes, uh, you know, it's not that, you know, he's a miracle worker or anything, but just the the process of me asking for his help will, will you know, draw it into me on a energy level. So um, I, I kind of feel it probably is tied into that in some way, shape, or form, but I've never seen it nor heard of it, Dr. Cirillo. Yeah, no, I have heard of it. It's controversial. I mean, the the biggest kind of thing is, is with a parent and, and a baby, or a parent and a child. They're, they're adjusting the parent, and they're saying that that's going to carry over to the child or vice versa. But I've heard that it's also been done with lines of people. But I think the power of suggestion with a group of kids, would be very powerful that somehow, whether whether it technically, scientifically can be explained or not, that if one person was hurting and the group, in a sense, said, okay, we're going to do this technique to uh, fix Kara's knee or something, you know, she was injured on the trail today, that, that it would have a powerful effect. So that's my well, sense. I, I don't know. Both of those make a lot of sense to me personally. Um, the mother-child thing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> children until they're seven years of age, it's said that their chakras are not fully developed and um, they are still energetically connected to the mother. Um, 
more to the mother, I believe, than the father, but I believe there is a connection to the father also. But Well, the mother carries the child for the nine months. Right, exactly. So, um, And because their chakras aren't fully developed, anything that you do to the mother would affect the child and, and vice versa. And that's why I believe so many people um, say, you know, so many parents, especially mothers, know when something happens to their child. Just energetically, they know it, and that's something that that almost any mother on the planet, I think, would agree to that they can feel uh, what is happening with their child. Um, Up to and that, seven, that's, or, or sometimes you hear it a lot later, but you're saying it's well. Um, I've always heard till age seven with the energy work that I've that I've personally studied, um, which is the Barbara Brennan technique um, energy I'm work. I'm familiar with that as well. I was also trained right. in that. And and, and and so that so the whole chakra thing, I, I don't know if that's been proven scientifically in any way, but I think that's a pretty strong bond between mother and child that most people wouldn't um, wouldn't reject. <laughs> it's a little harder but, to think of it as a bond between a group of kids or a bond between strangers. Yeah, but except that, that except that we have collective unconscious and we have the idea yeah. of 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 groups working together, if, if everyone in a group is putting their intention toward one particular outcome, then it's going to be, uh, uh, the outcome is going to happen easier than if it's just one person focusing on a particular outcome. So, and I would believe that has actually scientifically been proven. It, though it, I it has been. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so though I can't give you any studies for it, that actually has scientifically been proven. So, that because of that, if everyone knows the intention um, of of what the work will be, then that makes sense a lot of sense to me. If everyone in the line doesn't know, <laughs> I, I don't know um, where the boundaries are for for proof anyway of of something like that. But but the concepts do make sense to me, and and I think what's amazing about this camp also is that. For instance, you know, I was saying earlier that I'm I'm teaching about rocks and crystals, and and I'm excited to share um, just the way that rocks and crystals are formed because that's talking about our, our Earth, and um, that of course links into all the stargazing and 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 solar and planetary things that the children are going to be looking at. But talking about our Earth, our home. And and picking up a rock and and what does that feel like to you and and getting them to to a place where they're exploring the energy and, and seeing for themselves um, how they feel and how they're affected and 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 just the idea of us talking about a group dynamic, you know, uh, bringing these ideas into their consciousness in a way that perhaps they haven't been brought in before. Um, you know, and, and obviously it's not going to be us all just sitting around talking about concepts <laughs> because that would be boring. But um, but just the idea of bringing simple concepts into their consciousness and then going and exploring them and letting the kids say, ooh, I'm feeling this or I'm sensing this or I want to do this. You know, let's let's go, you know, I don't know, <laughs> let's go do a particular thing and see what happens, you know. Let's make take take an action or have an activity to explore this idea and allowing them to sort of guide us um, to, to where they want to go. And because it is an age that you pointed out so 
um, wonderfully, where they do sort of look at the group dynamic. If, you know, one brilliant kid has uh, one brilliant idea, everybody's going to want to follow along with that. So, you know, I think there will be a lot of room for um, for really brilliant. Yeah, exploration for brilliance, <laughs> for <making laughs> exploration in, into ideas. And, you know, for positive, I mean, positive following, sure. you know, positive right. brilliance. Positive and guided following, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, we're going to be there to guide guide the way, but but honestly, I mean, who doesn't learn from children when they're when they're when when you are there watching them and helping to guide them? They guide us so much too. So, I think it'll it it to me it just I I love the idea when Jennifer came um, to me with it. In fact, I think the way it happened uh, is I had been doing some writing, just trying to connect to what it was I really wanted to do next in my life. And it kept coming up, working with people, working with people, working with kids. You know, I always I, I always felt like probably all of us do. Why didn't someone tell me this when I was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was having the same feelings. I was starting to write out information about something I was going to call the true school. And I mentioned it to Jennifer, and she said, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm working on right now (laughs) and um, when she told me the idea I I fell in love with it because it's exactly along the lines of what I was thinking and and I I think along the lines of what Lady Fontaine was also saying that she would have loved to have had in her life as a child so you know I had just said it the other day to somebody or it could have even been today that you know I wish that somebody had you know given me certain guidance you know where I was really connecting with who and who I really was instead of who everybody wanted me to be because I know I would even be a different person than I am today. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I'm really wondering, you know, moving forward, what you guys really are planning for this. Um, right this year you're going to be doing the um, August, what is it, August 3rd through the 11th. Um, are you guys planning to expand this at all in future years? Absolutely. It will continue to grow. I, the goal is to have it be at least a two-month-long camp. That's oh, probably wow. a few years down the line. But I think next summer we'll start with exploring um, a two-week camp, probably for the same age group, and then one or two weeks for an older age group uh, as well. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's a that, lot of possibilities. Yeah. Now, I'm sure it could really grow into, you know, a, a tremendous undertaking for you. Well, how, how, do par- how do the parents actually register their children? They can go onto our website at risingfireflyretreat.com and download an application and send it in. We are, um, I'm actually working right now to get a credit card terminal set up so that you make credit card payments mm-hmm. um, or they can mail in a check. And um, we actually even brought the rate down just a little bit to um, kind of take some pressure off. So you can see the updated rates on the website as well. Great. And how could folks get in touch with you? Again, through the website. Um, there, you can email me at risingfirefly at gmail.com or you can give me a call at 347 
Well, I think that this is an absolutely awesome concept. I wish you both a tremendous amount of luck with it. Um, I'm sure, you know, I, I mean, the time is right for this. When when you were talking about, you know, some of the activities and and some of, you know, and, and the mindfulness of just doing a simple act, you know, like um, sweeping a porch or just sitting on the porch or whatever it is, um, you know, it, I, I couldn't help but think about how, you know, 20 years ago we were moving towards all these plastics and all these, you know, high-tech things, and now we're heading back back to the very simplistic, basic things in life and not having all the ingredients, you know, the additives and not having mm-hmm. all the colorings and preservatives and everything that we thought was so great 20 or 30 years ago, we're getting back to the simple, you know, just having one ingredient or two ingredients in our food and everything else. So I kind of feel the time is right for what you're doing. I mean, we are getting back to really the basics in life, and it certainly seems like um, the, this retreat concept for children really is doing just that. It's really directing children to connect not only with spirit, but I'm seeing it so much with connecting with themselves. And that's the piece that, you know, working with adults I feel is so missing that we lose ourselves in in the challenge of just sort of keeping our head above the water. So it's a great concept. I wish you a tremendous amount of luck with it. I do hope you'll come back and give us some updates. Absolutely. Sure. Thank All right. you. We would definitely love to have you. And, again, please con- contact them at www.risingfireflyretreat.com. That's R-I-S-I-N-G-F-I-R-E-F-L-Y, retreat, R-E-T-R-E-A-T.com. Um, thank you both, Jennifer and Laurel. We loved having you here. And, um, like I said, lots of luck. Let us know how it goes. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right. Good night. Good All night. right. Frank. Well, again, to our uh, listeners, if you want a reading or coaching from Lady Fontaine, that lady you've been listening to for the last hour, go to ladyfontaine.com. That's Lady Fontaine, the same way it's spelled on the screen you're looking at right now, nospaces.com. But now it's time for the mailbag question of the day. Ladies, are you ready? Yes. Oh, I look forward to that. That's always so exciting. All Hope right. it is today. We always get good questions, so I'm anxious mm-hmm. to hear myself. Oh, wow. One day you guys are going to get like a wedding proposal and caught like a deer in headlights right in the <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a All prince. Right. <laughs> All right. Dear Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo, I have a serious question, although it probably doesn't sound so serious to most people. Lady Fontaine, I listen to your show often, and I know you love dogs, and so do I. I have three who sleep on my bed with me every night. I've been dating a really special guy for five months. His name is Ted, and he likes dogs, but doesn't share my incredible love for them. But he plays with my dogs and seems to genuinely like them, except in the bed. (laughs) He doesn't want them in the bedroom and they sleep with me every night. This creates conflict for us almost every time he stays over. How should I handle this? I really like this guy, and I can see a future, future with him. But is this guy the right guy for me? And this is signed, This is Serious in Cincinnati. So she gave the guy's 
name, but unfortunately it did not give her a name. Um, I'm actually picking up some stuff, but mostly I'm going to answer her her question about is this the right guy for her. But before I do, um, I, Dr. Cirillo, I'm curious on your take on this. Well, I'm thinking of what you said, that if you're such a dog lover, it's almost like love me, love my dogs, and mm-hmm. uh, the other person has to feel it intently. But she's saying that he does love the dogs and he plays with them and they seem to love him, but there's this conflict. I would wonder if they're male dogs and suddenly, you know, they're used to having the bed with this woman and if if you kick the three of them out of bed and put him in there, they're they're certainly going to be enemies and they're not going to love each other very much. (laughs) But then at the same time, you know, is it appropriate for an adult man to have to share his bed and his lady, either with three dogs, three kids, one kid, one dog. You know, there are there are appropriate times and places and activities for adults, like like the bed, uh, to make love, and that really isn't appropriate. But it's if a mother is always left with a child, and and now a man has come into the picture. You know, this I, there's no easy answer because. Uh, yeah, you know, you could say if he hated the dogs, it would be clear-cut. This isn't the right. guy for you. It's not going to work. But, uh, uh, yeah, they, they shouldn't have been in the bed with the woman this close for so long, but they were. And you can't explain it to dogs. They're not going to outgrow it. Right. Um, yeah, see, so that's it, my take on it. Right. And see, me being, you know, a dog lover and having dogs that share my bed, I mean, I can identify with this. Um, but, you know, one thing that jumps out at me, if I have somebody staying over, I, you know, um, you know, especially if you're being intimate with somebody, it's kind of awkward to have your dogs on the bed, you know. But does the dogs understand when you kick them off the bed so you can be intimate? Or does the dogs, like most kids and dogs, try to get in between you? Right, right. So, you know, what I would really suggest, I mean, this is a logical thing, is, you know, um, at certain times, it might be more appropriate to have the dogs, um, you know, outside of the bedroom and, you know, maybe bring them in at different times or something like that. But, you know, the the question that I really wanted to address was she was asking, is this guy right for her? And truly the energy um, between the two of them is really, I like it. I really like the energy. I mean, it really feels to me, the way the, the energies overlap, that there's a lot of compatibility with the two of them. I mean, she didn't really mention that. She didn't say, you know, we like the same things or I'm learning so much from him or anything of that nature, but I feel it. I feel it's a, in many, many ways a very good match. So what I would really suggest is, you know, from a logical standpoint, is find the happy medium. Compromise on this. There might be, you know, um, yeah, a couple of hours, you know, when he's when he's over that, you know, the dogs are kept in another room. I mean, I personally would find it um, inappropriate and annoying to have a dog, you know, in the bed at certain times. You know, it just doesn't feel right. So I kind of feel that this this they can work out something that is going to, you know, sort of make their life a little bit easier. But, you know, if the man was really saying, well, the dogs can never come in the bedroom and this woman is um, – you know, emphatic about having them in the bedroom, then I think the writing is on the wall. Then this guy isn't the right guy for her. But it doesn't feel to me that that's happening, and I do feel that Ted is um, flexible. He just wants some time alone with her without the dogs. 
And I think the dogs will understand, just like when you could have a baby in the bedroom with mom and dad, and at a certain point the baby gets old enough to understand what's going on, and a baby who's now a child would be uncomfortable if the parents were making love in front of them. So they put the child in the other room, and I think that especially since there's three dogs, if you put the three of them outside the room and give them something to do that's fun for them, the dogs are not going to notice. My sense is if this woman really felt that this guy was the soulmate for her, she would come to that conclusion herself. That's that's my only thing, that she would have no reservation about saying, I love the dogs, but right now I don't want them to see us, and, and, and what we're doing isn't appropriate for them to be in the middle. So, you know, let's put them in their playroom, and later on uh, we can be together as a family. Right, yeah. right. and I'm coming to that conclusion, yeah. If I can add my two senses, I guess echo exactly what you said. Naturally, when I read this letter to you guys, this was my first time reading it, and um, my knee-jerk reaction is, oh, my Lord, jeez, get the dogs out of the bed. No dude wants to come over and have dogs in the bed with the lady. That's just not <laughs> cool. But if you really stop to think about it, it does, it's not our place really to judge the particulars of what it is that's bothering her. In this letter, she didn't say, you're right. Uh, Lady Fontaine, she didn't say anything uh, that didn't relate between the guy and the dogs and what the mm-hmm. guy, how the guy got along with the dogs. That's what was important to her. Mm-hmm. Change the scenario. Say that she likes dressing up like a Klingon, and he doesn't like to dress up like a Klingon from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, There are people out there that love to dress up like a Klingon, and they will climb into bed dressed up like a Klingon. And there are guys that don't mind the dogs in the bed. So if that's what's right. important to her then uh, it's really a priority thing and the particulars of that. Just because, I, I mean, I heard someone giggle, and when I, read the, when I read it myself, I kind of did internally too because that's not, that's not our, that's not my personal arena, and I've got some weird things in my mind that people probably think are very strange <laughs> too. So, Frank, we, uh, know that, we know that the uh, Klingon thing came from personal experience. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't put the uh, costume on. You wanted to dress like an Andorian. I want want pictures. I want (laughs) pictures. Okay, but I think there's a good point. The dogs, uh, normally, there aren't that many guys that feel comfortable with the dogs in the bed. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I yeah. mean, there's many, many people, there's many married couples, let's face it, that do sleep with a, one dog or something, um, yeah. you know, on the bed. But they're married, and they sort of have, have evolved, and they've gotten the dog together and things of that nature. I mean, it is an awkward thing. Um, I feel, you know, the energy between the two of them is great. You know, she has to set some priorities, and he does, and I feel they both have to compromise, you know, if they're going to make this work. I would think so. And they'll both, it'll feel right. If, if the relationship is right, neither one of them will feel that they or the dogs are, are being uh, uh, deprived or spoiled or given favorite treatment or anything else. I think mm-hmm. they'll both feel right with it. Right, because, I mean, the guy should be have some level of priority in this woman's life, you know, as well as the dogs. Otherwise, the guy isn't right for her. Well, he could sleep in the box on the floor. <laughs> oh, okay. And on that note. <laughs> that's our official recommendation then. <laughs> the official recommendation, serious mm. in Cincinnati, is the dog stay on the bed and the guy stays on the floor. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. Um, compromise for oh. both of you. <laughs> so it was a great question. We hope it works out. Let us know how it goes. Remember, please send us your question at mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be selecting a few questions each week to answer live on each show. Well, I think, do we still have any callers on the line? I know that some of them have been dropping off thinking that we're not going to be taking calls, but we do have some time. Yes, we do. Frank, do you have the first call? I think he ran off to his own show. Okay. I can get the first caller. We have Tempest, and she's asking about her career, if there's a current prospect or something new. Okay, Tempest. Yes. Hi, Tempest. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are Tell you? Us a little, t- good. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. All right. The situation is this, ladies. Um, I, I, I applied for a job, just really going on Craigslist and just sending out resumes, sending out cover letters, and I finally got a response back, a real response, not the scam. <laughs> so I got a response back. So they called me for a telephone interview, just on-the-spot telephone interview, and I feel that I did fine, but they supposed to call me back like two, three weeks ago, like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And I haven't got a response back from them. And I feel like this job will be a very good opportunity for me. And and I was just hoping if you think maybe if so, they'll call me back. Or if not, is it another opportunity coming for me? Well, could you just give me the first name of whoever it was that you spoke with? Christige Unlimited. All right. Um, all right. A couple things are jumping out at me. One, even though that they were doing phone interviews, um, I'm not feeling that that job was um, was as available as they thought it was. And what I mean by that is, it almost feels to me that there are snags in the process of getting that job filled. Um, so, to me, it feels like it would be a three-week turnaround time from the time they were doing interviews. And you said you interviewed with them two or three weeks ago. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this another, um, I would say, three to five days for you to hear from them. And if you don't, because right now it's coming through more from a perspective of they truly have not um, even addressed making a decision because really? some, there was some snag in the process, maybe a budget cut, maybe um, some some pressure to start interviewing from within the company. So okay. it feels to me that there was some snag that prevented them from actually making a decision. So my gut feeling is that this week and the very, very latest next week is going to be the time that they're really addressing this. Um, I do feel that you are going to be one of the candidates that's seriously considered for this job, but I'm going to be honest with you, it's not coming through as a definite. It just isn't. Um, You know, when I look ahead in your energy, I'm just trying to come up with a date for you. Um, Let me put it to you like this. Um, By mid-September, you're going to have um, an offer, and it feels to me that it's going to, it could be this job or it could be something very, very similar to this job, and it feels to me tremendous growth potential, tremendous potential for you to um, (laughs) almost have a whole new career path. I mean, it feels big, and it feels like a very visible opportunity and a very, what I kind of want to say, almost powerful position in a way. So um, if if it's this job or not, um, something within the next two months is going to manifest for you in a very grandiose way. 
and it honestly, like, it, it, I, I keep on seeing doors opening, so it feels to me that, you know, this, once you land the job, it's going to lead towards more expansion in your career for you. That's great. And I'm That's actually great. getting the date of, I'm getting two dates, one is September 10th, the other is September 17th. I don't even know what days of the week they are, but they feel to me to be important dates for you with your job quest. Oh, right. Okay. All right. <laughs> All um, right. Dr. Cirillo, do you have any input on that? Well, I was going to say, you know, if, they, if you've waited two or three weeks, I don't see any harm in giving a call to the person that you say you had a good interview with. Uh, yes. You know, not to sound desperate or anything, but just to let her know that you're still interested and uh, things had seemed hopeful. And you might you might get a lead as to maybe, like Lady Fontaine was saying, there might have been snags, and it sounds like one of those cases where the funding didn't come through or, uh, you know, something is in the way, and, and then at least you can know a little bit more about where you stand. I don't see any harm in this. Yeah, and I and I and what what happened was when I feel that I I, I continuously get focused on a, a certain subject like today, I was really scrambling looking for the number and I couldn't find find it. So I was thinking to myself, maybe if I'm focused on this situation so much that maybe they're just up and just you know give me a call. It seems like when I rush for something, it something else happens. But thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. Good luck to yeah, you. I you. I have a feeling it's going to work out for you. You know, one way or the other, and you're going to be in a wonderful job in the next few weeks. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. All righty. Who is our next caller? We have Debbie. She wants to know if she's blocked for a relationship with a, with a lingering love still in her life. Is she blocked was the question? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, Debbie? Yeah. Hi. 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 <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Um, well, right now, um, I've been living with someone for about two and a half years. We've been in a relationship for about three years, been knowing each other about 15 years. But um, right now, he's in the process of trying to get a job so he can move out. And it's like the relationship just it just didn't go anywhere. It just it's bottomed out. He's staying with you. You're, you're working. He can't afford to move out, but but he wants to move out. And, and do you want him right. to move out, or, or you don't really want him to move out? You want it to work. Well, at this point, I want him to move out because we just don't see eye to eye on so many things, and it just keeps going like in a circle. You know, it's just not, you know, we're like two different people. Um, well, of course, we're two different people, but... We just have two different outlooks on life. Mm -hmm. You're two different, really. You know, there's good, uh, there's complementary differences, and there's differences like uh, one loves the dogs in the bed and the other doesn't. That that can't be worked. <laughs> they could be small differences, but they can ruin somebody's life. One person wants to be freezing, the other person wants to be in a very hot robe. You know, yeah. differences yeah. in lifestyle, differences no. in values, and. It sounds yeah. like you've come to this. So what's holding you to the relationship? There's something holding you there. Is it the security or a sense of love for, for this man? Probably, uh, probably security, just, you know, just security at this point. Um, having a, a male in your right. life. Right, that's what I was going to say, because security it doesn't feel to me. But honestly, it doesn't feel to me that it is a secure. It, it's almost like, it, you know, it's nice to know that if you uh, – 
you know, go shopping or go to dinner that you have somebody to do it with if you want or go to a movie. Right. But it doesn't feel to me that there's any real security in this relationship for you. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. feel I mean, he, him being protective. What did you say? I don't feel him being protective. I don't feel him being supportive. I don't feel him really being present, um, you know, in the relationship. It feels to me very much like you guys are living totally separate lives. And I, I also hear what I want to say. Um, it sounds like arguments to me. If it's not arguments, it's certainly very much opposing views, almost as if you're light years away from each other in in you know, in agreeing on things, because it almost feels yeah. to me, he says black, you say white. There's there's no middle ground, or there's very little middle ground. Yeah. So I, it almost feels to me the security is more with, that you think is so important, because you don't, you're more afraid to be without somebody it's than the actual thought of, the, you know, you're missing, you'd be really missing or losing something by walking right. away from the relationship. I think she'd be relieved if he told her that he got a job or that he was now moving out. It's just that Debbie doesn't want to take that step to say, okay, you know, get out of here in three months because on some level you've adjusted to it and, and it's comfortable, but uh, it's preventing you certainly from getting into another relationship when you're living right. with somebody. Right, right. And it's like, we, like you say, we are light years away. I'm over here spiritually. um, in my, you know, things I believe, and he's over there really strong in what he believes. And right. it's like, boom, 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 we bump it. Right. So you know that sooner or later you have to end it. It's just a matter of the discomfort yeah. of, of making the break versus right. keeping things as they are. Yeah. And I just, well, What I do just, you see for yeah. an end date, Lady Fontaine? Maybe, uh, you know, you can help in that sense. Well, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't feel to me that he's running off you know, right right away or that things are going to fall into place for him so quickly that he's going to be out, you know, in two months or anything of that nature. So it kind of feels to me, if left alone, and, and Debbie, if you choose to wait until he's going to be walking out that door, you've got a bit of a wait. <laughs> it just doesn't feel to me that he's running out the door. Um, right. You know, and then from the flip side of it is, this becomes a matter of free choice. And Debbie, at any point, you can sort of get the the inspiration or the, you know, the motivation to say, mm -hmm. all right, today's the day that I start taking care of myself and I know mm -hmm. that, you know, what's more important than being in this type of relationship is having mm -hmm. my life back. But when I look right. at your future, I don't feel you're ready to do that. And my gut feeling is you're not going to be ready for, you know, into – um, I would say the earlier middle part of next year. So I don't feel you're. I feel you think about it. I feel you quote unquote want it at mm -hmm. times, but you're 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 afraid. You're not ready to take that step yet. Um, you can change. You know everything that I'm saying right now. This is where free choice comes in. You have the right. ability to change and, mm -hmm. and to make that choice. So that that's going to be your choice in the long run. But my gut feeling is when I look to the end of the year, you guys are still together. No, okay. But you can change that. All yeah, you need to do is <laughs> all you need to do yeah. is tell him that, you know, it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So good luck to you and keep us posted. Let us know how it works out. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay, mm -hmm. take care. All right. Bye. I believe we have one more caller and I would like to squeeze them in. 
Okay, we have Ryan, and yes, we have just a few minutes left, so let's squeeze him in now. Okay, Ryan? Hello? Hi, how can we help you? Uh, I was wondering, uh, I have a baby mom. Uh, she's about 18, and I'm 21. Mm-hmm. Okay, on top of that, we wound up uh, breaking out or whatever in February, like a couple of days after Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. and... You know, she's pregnant with my kid or whatever, and mm. she, like, tells me that, you know, she don't want me to have nothing to do with my kid. Mm. I just mm. want to know what your thoughts on that. I'm actually a college student. Mm. I do feel, you know, a lot of, um, what I want to say, animosity, and it just, it, I, I kind of feel you're going to have to to assert yourself and to fight for the ability to be involved in your child's life. It doesn't, you know, it feels to me if she has her way, um, she would, you know, have the baby and do what she needed, what she needs to do and keep you sort of out of the picture. But if you, you know, um, see, even if you, you know, I don't feel talking to her is going to get you anywhere. It almost feels to me if you did get an attorney or something like that involved, then she would listen then then things have the potential of turning around for you because the irony of it even though i'm saying to you i don't feel she's going to be receptive uh, what my guides are telling me is you are going to have the opportunity of being involved in this baby's life so my gut feeling is the only way you're going to get there is to assert some pressure on her and don't let her walk all over you with this if you want to be part of the baby's life then you know take whatever legal action you need to do that but I then understand that then there's going to be a financial. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, I think she's lucky though. He wants to help financially. Right. Not a lot of guys don't, you know. So she, there's a good side, and you've got to help us see that. And maybe a lawyer or an outsider could help us see that it's to her advantage in the long run. And to but she feels so things. angry. Her energy yeah. feels so angry to me. Yeah, yeah. She she flips out on me like. Uh, for instance, I don't jump when she jumps, you know. She flips out that she don't want to talk to me or nothing and, you know, just go crazy for no reason. Like, you know, you you left me. Why are you mad at me because she left me? And why are you, you know, just, you know, why are you trying to, like, I don't get to name my kid or nothing. So it's, you know, kind of awkward, you know, me being my first child and it's a girl at that. Mm. So. Um, do they have any legal legal aid that's available to you? Um, from what I understand, some of the big colleges do have legal aid available to to students. Uh, I'm not for sure. I'm actually transferring to a different college within the state. I came from uh, another college up north or whatever, and I was gonna. I, I don't know how that would go. Like I'm like a first time dad. Well, it might be worth you looking into it because that would be, you know, certainly an affordable way for you to get some of the legal help and advice that you need. But I do feel you're going to have to assert um, big pressure here to get her to feel that she has no option but to get you involved with things. But I do feel if you pursue this, I do feel the potential is close to 100% that you're going to be involved in this child's life. Mhm. Okay, can I ask you one other thing? Sure, go you ahead. Know, uh, I speak to her mom a lot, too. You know, not a lot, but, you know, I've talked to her now and then. She tries to blame it on her hormones. Mm-hmm. I feel there's a, there's a difference between hormones and just acting like that. 
Uh, what would you think about that? You know, well, I do feel some that... of it. I do feel some of it is hormones, but when I look, when I look at her energy overall, I do feel she has a volatile personality, and I do feel that this has kind of been her mo in the relationship all along. Um, even before she was pregnant to some degree. And, and when I say to some degree, I mean 60 or 70 percent. So um, is that not true? Wasn't, wasn't she very volatile and excitable yeah. before all this? Yeah, like she, before all this, like I, I feel that it was, she was after like one true goal, you know, which was to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Didn't really care, you know, too much about, you know, the dad or anything like that. But, you know, she played the role of I'm this person one minute and then, you know, come time she found out she's pregnant it's like she totally flipped the script right well i i honestly feel this is who she is um you know and i kind of agree that she wanted to have a child so she has her peace fulfilled so if you want an involvement in this baby's life get some legal legal advice because i do feel you will have a role in this child's life okay all right well good luck to you all right thank you you're very welcome. Don't forget to visit Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com to learn more about her or to schedule a private reading or life coaching session. Lady Fontaine is an internationally known psychic and life coach. You can also follow Lady Fontaine on Twitter, Facebook, and NING for her latest announcements. Also, please take a moment to make Eye on the Future a favorite here on Blog Talk Radio and send us a friend request to get special offers from Lady Fontaine. Please visit our show page on Blog Talk Radio for details on all of our co-hosts along with their contact information. Be sure to send your questions to mailbag at ladyfontaine.com to have your questions answered live on the air by Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Thank you, Frank. Uh, Lady Fontaine, we have less than a minute left, so I'm going to skip my closing words and go straight to you. All righty, and again, I just wanted to thank our guests again, um, Jennifer Handy and Laurel Retke from the um, wonderful Rising Firefly Retreat. Um, check them out. Check their website, risingfireflyretreat.com. Um, I also want to thank my co-hosts, uh, Dr. Jean Cirillo, Frank Cesaro, and Lee Zellman. Um, thanks also to Rachel Look, who did a great job screening calls and helping us with the switchboard. Thank you all. Many blessings to you, and I am in gratitude to all of you. Have a wonderful week, and remember to honor yourself, and you'll automatically draw in countless experiences that honor you as well. Paranormal enthusiasts, remember to tune into Frank Tadero's The Invisible World. Either call 718-508-9285 or check out the show page here on Blog Talk Radio for The Invisible World. And don't forget, um, August 20th, The Tank in New York City. Frank and I will be there. Good night, everyone. Have a wonderful week and reclaim you. Good night.